traveling back to Bethlehem. If this pulpit represents Bethlehem, we started last week way over here. dead, and you and I are included in that. Next week, go back a few days before the resurrection to his substitutionary death on the cross. He was the Lamb of God. Then we go back about 33 years to Bethlehem. That will be Christmas Sunday. Jesus was born in the city of Bethlehem. We're traveling back to Bethlehem. It looks like this. My microphone is on, but my clicker isn't working either. We have a a double curse of technology. I'll go ahead and continue, and they will uh, catch up uh, as they are able. Our text this morning begins with the Apostle Paul's prayer, and it leads into a prayer that they would see the spiritual truth, have the eyes of their hearts enlightened so they can see the hope of their calling their glorious future inheritance, and the current power of the resurrection that's operating in those who believe in Christ. So the text begins this way, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 15. For this reason, because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints... I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. May I pause right there, and may I say that I identify with the Apostle Paul. He says, when I heard about you guys, your faith, your love, I'm always praying for you. Specifically, I don't cease giving thanks for you. And I know what he's talking about. I identify with him. Since coming to Crossbridge about three months ago, I've been praying for you, for the church, for an hour each week. I do not cease praying for you. And this last week, I disciplined myself during that that time of prayer. I disciplined myself not to make any requests, no no intercession, please give her this, please do this for him, you know. Instead, for the whole time, I just thanked God for you. I thanked him for the warm reception 
that you have given us in these last three months. It's been very pleasant, very happy, very warm. I thanked God for the core leadership team, the, the sort of the heads of, of Crossbridge. You guys, I've worked with a lot of uh, leadership teams over the years, and this is a really good one, the core team. It's led by our presider today, Emily, and it's a very good team, and I thank God for it. I thank God for the young people that are here. It was a surprise to me when I came three months ago that the young people were in every service, but I really enjoyed it. You guys keep me young. Well, not really. (laughs) Young at heart, young at heart. And I thanked God that you're here and present, paying attention, serving the Lord Jesus. And mostly I thank God that this is a Bible-believing, Christ-honoring church. I just feel such kinship with you for for those reasons, because what the Bible says, we we treat it as the word of God, and we say, yes, sir, whatever you say, that's what goes in my life, and we seek to honor Christ. And that's what this Back to Bethlehem series is all about. We seek to get to know him, his intercession, his high priestly ministry, today his resurrection, Next week, his death. He died on the cross for us. The following week, Christmas proper, the virgin birth, Bethlehem. And we seek to honor him and lift him up. Well, after the Apostle Paul gives thanks for the people, he prays for them, he intercedes for them, he has a request that they would see the past, the hope of their calling, the present, excuse me, the future, this glorious inheritance they will someday experience in heaven, and the present, the power of the resurrection operating through them today. So these things are hard to see, the the, the hope of his calling and the, the power of the resurrection. And so he prays for them. He says, God, please open their eyes, open their minds and hearts. Next slide. He says, He says, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you, look at all the words for knowledge and uh, sight here, the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him that the eyes of your hearts may be enlightened. So he prays, in a sense, he prays that they would see what is beyond sight or difficult to see. First of all, next slide. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Would you read the top line with me? Everybody together? In this, just the top, just the top line, please. Everybody together? In this advent, no, no, the top line, not the third one. The top line. Everybody read it with me. In this advent, some of you are not reading it with me. Can you not see that top line? Oh, I made it a little bit bigger in the second line. Can you read the second line, everybody together? In this... Some of you are not reading out loud. Can't you see it? Oh, let me make it a little bit bigger there in the third line. Everybody together on the third line? In this Advent series, we are traveling back to Bethlehem. I'm helping you see what is beyond sight. 
And the Apostle Paul is praying that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened, that God would magnify so we can have a spirit of wisdom and insight and revelation into the hope of our calling, our glorious inheritance, and the current power of the resurrection. Can you click one more time on that slide? We're asking God to help us see our past, our future, and the present, the power of the resurrection. All right, first of all, then, the past. Next slide. I pray, says the Apostle Paul, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. The hope of your calling. See, God leaned out over the balcony of heaven... And his eye went here and there over the face of the earth, and his eye traveled uh, here and there throughout time, and he said, I choose you. I choose you. I am calling you. And in the proper time, as you experience your life in time, I will so orchestrate the events of your life that you will hear my voice and respond to that calling. And this gives us hope. God said, I want you to be on my team. I am calling you. See, maybe he placed you in a Christian home. That's a good place for his calling. It's not a guarantee, but it's a a good place. Maybe during college, he gave you a Christian friend, and he used that friend to... So you could hear his calling and his gospel, and maybe he used a friend for your calling. For some of you, maybe he used a crisis, and that drew you to himself. God often uses hard times when we come to the end of ourselves, when we, when we come to the end of our rope. When we need, when we see our need, when we feel our inadequacy, he says, okay, now you're in a position you can hear me calling you to myself. He'll often use crises. Some of you can testify to that. Health, broken relationships, to call you. The uh, great preacher of the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, said that God sends his love letters in black-edged envelopes. What does that mean? Well, in his day, in London, in the 1800s, they would send through the mail uh, like uh, funeral notices and, and, and death announcements, and the envelope would have a black edge. And Spurgeon said sometimes he sends love letters with black-edged envelopes. This gives us hope. His calling, this past event, this, this gives us hope that God is with me. He is favoring. He loves me. May you know the hope of your calling. See, many of us slog along under a burden. 
We feel in our hearts, sometimes we articulate with our mouths, I am not smart enough. I am not talented enough. I am not good-looking enough. I am not winsome enough. I'm not athletic enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not gifted enough. And especially, I'm not good enough. We slog along under a feeling of inadequacy. And so we don't have hope. we have no hope is because our, our, our faith is in the wrong place. Our focus is in the wrong place. If you're depending on your own smarts and your own achievement and your own goodness and your own, you know, lifting yourself up to this level, well, that's, that's not a recipe for hope. But if your faith is in him... His calling, his justification, his work, his death on the cross, his resurrection, then we can kind of relax about our own failings and maybe experience the hope associated with his calling. Next slide. Those he predestined, he called. Those whom he called, he justified. Those whom he justified, he also glorified. May God help us, may he help Crossbridge see the past, the hope of his calling. All right, what else does he pray for? He prays about the future. He prays that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened regarding the future. What are the glorious, uh, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Well, what does this mean? It means heaven. It means reward. It means uh, it means uh, shalom. It means joy instead of sorrow. It means health instead of sickness. It means unity instead of division. It means peace instead of war. It means shalom instead of brokenness. May He open the eyes of your heart. To really understand, really grasp, really believe, really feel the hope of this glorious inheritance that's coming. Notice that it's a glorious inheritance. There's a lot of glory with it. You know, some inheritance aren't, they're not all that glorious. I wonder if you've ever gotten something that, you know, you're like, well, whatever, I don't really want this. A few years ago, I was at a, a wedding. My niece was getting uh, married. Actually, I was at the wedding rehearsal, and um, her aunt, my wife, tried on the wedding dress that her mother was giving to the niece as an inheritance. It was her wedding dress. She, she had carefully preserved it. I don't know what you do. You kind of vacuum seal it or whatever. So it was very old, very precious, and she was giving it to her niece. And, but you guys, it didn't look too good. It was, I don't know, I don't know what happened. Air got into it. It was kind of, blah, kind of blotchy and yellow. And Well, my wife at the rehearsal put the wedding dress on. <laughs> and during the time in the rehearsal, and she came walking down the aisle, and it was just really ratty looking. That's not a glorious inheritance. <laughs> but the Bible says you have one. It's called heaven. 
May he help you see it, feel it, believe it, live it out. See, this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. Your treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon us from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. May he give you a spirit of revelation to understand, to believe, to see the future glorious inheritance. And then the third thing he prays for is the present, specifically the power of the resurrection. I pray that you will see what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. The power of God raised Christ from the dead and enthroned him in heaven and put all things under his feet. And it is that same power that is operating in behalf of Christians today. So, as we're traveling back to Bethlehem, today we come to the tomb and the resurrection. They laid him in a tomb. Next slide. Took his body down off the cross. By the way, how do you do that anyway? How do you get a body off the cross? What instrument do you use to pry out nails? They laid him in the tomb. They arranged his hands probably like this. Tried to smooth his hair, perhaps, but it was matted with blood. Wrapped him in yards of cloth. They backed out of the tomb and stooped. Then rolled that big stone into a sort of a trough with a grinding and a thump it went into the trough and they sealed it they marked it with the authority of Rome do not touch no trespassing and the guards began their watch sunset Sabbath began. The night sounds, perhaps crickets, perhaps animals snuffling around, and all is silent. The long night. Finally, the sun breaks in the east. Sun begins to warm the stones and the rocks. The sun reaches its zenith, but still silence. Sun sinks again, another 
long day, another long night. And then, before the breaking of the day on that third day, something was going on in there. The heart gives its first convulsive lurch and the blood begins to flow again and the waxy pale skin turns warm, has color. And the Lord Jesus' eyes open and he sits up. Gets out of that cloth Stone, by the power of God, is rolled back. Still dark outside. Jesus decides to go for a walk. Soon the women will come to anoint his body for burial. But this is the power of the resurrection. The women will soon find that he is not there, as the angels will tell them. He is risen. And so as we're traveling back to Bethlehem, the story runs through the tomb. And we remember that he rose. And the word of God says that this same power that raised Jesus from the dead is the power that is operating in those who believe in him. May he help us see this and give us a spirit of revelation and wisdom and knowledge and the eyes of our hearts being enlightened. This same power, for those of you who believe in him, is operating in you today. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 5 puts it this way. When we were dead in our transgressions, he made us alive together with Christ. He raised us up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. This is the great doctrine of a union with Christ. His death is our death. His resurrection life is our resurrection life. His perfect life, where he never sinned, becomes uh, grafted onto us. And when God sees us, he does no longer seize our sins, but Jesus' own righteousness. Did you notice that we sang about this union with Christ today? Today we sang that he rose and we will rise. Today we sang that my sins, my sins, were nailed to the cross. This is the doctrine of union with Christ. You might think of it this way, like a big magnet. The magnet represents the power of God. And just as a magnet transmits its uh, unseen, mysterious, uh, powerful uh, force through a succession of iron rings, the magnet uh, attracts this one, and then the power, and then attracts this one, and then the power because it attracts this one. In the same way, God's power raised Jesus from the dead, and so that we who believe in him will also rise. You who believe in him 
have resurrection life available to you, not just in the sweet by and by, but that's good, we remember that, that's our glorious inheritance, but right now, this is the power at work in us. And this is a practical truth, it's not just a spiritual, just a theoretical truth, the promise of the resurrection helps us in day-to-day living. It helps us defeat Satan, it gives us strength when we're persecuted. It helps us to put to death the deeds of the flesh. And so we walk in hope that just as God's power raised Jesus, so too his power will raise us in that final day for everlasting life. Final slide. May God help you, may he help me, may he help Crossbridge, may he help us see the past hope because of him, not because of yourself. (laughs) The future. You've got a great future coming. And may you experience it now, this resurrection power operating even in the day-to-day grind. Heavenly Father, help us see what is beyond sight. That you have called us. Help us take hope there. That you keep us and the future is bright. And help us to see that the power of God that raised Jesus is the same power that helps us now as we walk as pilgrims through this land. In Christ's name we pray, amen.